Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number, let's see here, what episode number is it? 233. Uh, This is going to be Mysteries and Metaphysics, part 4.6. We're going to be discussing near-death experiences and death. Um, If you're not familiar with the Mysteries and Metaphysics series, uh, this is the series where we're going to go over everything that we discuss on the show normally and look at kind of how we thought about things, the way we thought about things, uh, what we believed in, what we didn't believe in before, like when we started the podcast and kind of the journey to where we've gotten now and how we think about these things now. So um, this is going to be the first episode of this new format. Um, so we're going to start putting these videos up on Spotify uh, if you watch it live on YouTube, we're still going to do it live on YouTube, but we're also going to upload the videos to Spotify. Uh, and of course the audio will be up everywhere as well. And, uh, yeah, before we get started tonight, uh, if you are interested, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for just $2 a month. You'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments, uh, tons of stuff on there. Randall Carlson, Laird Scranton, Rick Strassman, uh, any guests we've had on the show, pretty much there's something up on there. Uh, I am in the process of re-uploading a lot of the audio, the strictly audio versions, because there is video versions too. Uh, but the audio versions will be up in totality soon. Um, that was because we migrated the show over from SoundCloud to Anchor. So I'm just uploading all the audio stuff up on there. And uh, we are also on Discord if you want to come chat with us on Discord. And uh, head on over to our merch store. Um, the link is down below. Actually, all of our links are on our link tree. Just click on the link tree link down below the video or the audio in the show notes, and that will connect you to our website and merch and Patreon and all those wonderful things. As you can see there, we've got some cool designs for T-shirts. Of course, we just did our Let Maury Speak uh, episode Last episode, you can get your Let Maurice Speak t-shirt right there. And uh, it's a beautiful t-shirt. It looks like the exact silhouette of Mr. Maurice himself. Yes. And, uh, yeah, some other cool designs on there as well. And head on over to indrasweb.org. This is the social media platform we cre- uh, created to connect open minds. So whether you want to speculate, hypothesize, theorize, perfect place to do it. Head on over there, set up a profile. Um, and, uh, we are still working on getting that in the app store, but, uh, go check that out. And one more thing, if you are interested in winning this mind escape podcast t-shirt, uh, all you have to do to enter to win, um, is go to Apple podcast, Google podcast, or Spotify, any of the podcast apps that you can, um, give us a five-star review or whatever, or rank us. And then take a screenshot of it, send it to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com. That will enter you to win. We only have larges and mediums left. So if you're interested and a large or a medium will fit you, please enter to win. We already have um, 
four or five submissions. And uh, yeah, thank you to everybody that's participated. I will pick a winner at the end of March. And uh, yeah, that's it. What's going on, Maurice? How much? What's the good word, my man? Uh, nothing much. Same old, same old. Um, so yeah, so this is going to be our near-death experience, uh, Mysteries and Metaphysics, if you've been following the series. Um, part one uh, and two are about like ancient civilizations, ancient mysteries, and then we get into uh, esoteric and occult knowledge and some of them. And then I think was it part three? Um, yeah, part three, I think we did metaphysics. So like the nature of reality, teleology, ontology, epistemology, how do we know what we know based on, uh, you know, what, what consciousness is, what it's not kind of a thing. Um, and then the part four, uh, like part 4.1, 4 4.2, 4.3, 4.4, 4.5 are all slideshow episodes having to do with like megalithic structures and ancient sites and everything. We've done one on ancient Greece and all the megalithic structures and temples. Um, we've done one on miscellaneous structures, one on Gobekli Tepe, ancient Egypt, you name it. We've gone through pretty much everything that we've discussed on the show so far. And we'll get to a bunch of new stuff in the future, obviously. So, But yeah, tonight we are going to discuss near-death experiences. Um, and we've had a few guests, uh, a couple really interesting guests. Um, I don't know if you remember all of the near-death guests, but I know uh, I'm trying to think who was our most recent one that we discussed this with. Uh, Dr. Bob Davis, when we discussed near-death experiences and like UAPs and stuff. Um, that was episode 227. Um, and then Quarks of Light, which I know Maurice really liked that episode uh, with Rob uh, Gentile. Um, that was episode number 197 and he had two near-death experiences, two traditional near-death experiences, um, and had a bunch of heart surgeries and stuff. So that was a very, uh, interesting, interesting conversation. I really recommend that one. Quarks of Light. He, that's his book. Um, check that out as well. Um, we discussed near-death experiences with Cindy Massey on Mind Escape episode 64, she had been having out-of-body experiences since she was like a little kid. Um, and, um, yeah, she had some interesting insights. Uh, and the first one that we really got into this with was uh, Dr. Penny Sartori. That was Mind Escape episode 55. Uh, and she's a near-death experience researcher. She was a nurse and um, uh, who dealt with uh, elderly people and end-of-life patients. And a lot of these people had kind of crossover and... Um, similar experiences that she was able to um, take note of. And then she's written a few books on the subject. So check all of those episodes out if you have not already. And they have on the episode notes for all those episodes, it should have the links to all those people's books and works and everything. So what was your favorite one out of all of those, Maurice? Uh, I liked probably the first one that we did with uh, Penny because that was right when our when our when our podcast started to branch off from just having the friends on and we started to actually get uh people that were writing books and that kind of thing doctors and whatnot and um her story was was very intriguing and she's just a really well-spoken person i really like that one 
cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that episode as well. Um, I mean, I could go on and on because this is probably my favorite subject that we do, or one or one of the top three. Well, um, before we get into like all of the different researchers and takes and theories and hypotheses and all that stuff, how did you think about near-death experiences before? Did you think about it? And then how do you think about it now? Uh, I didn't really know that much about it. I didn't know... A- the reason I like near-death experiences is because I think it bridges the gap between science and uh, supernatural, if you will. And that's really the that's like my wheelhouse. I love obviously our podcast is super rooted in science, but we like to tickle the uh, fringe stuff. And I think near-death experiences is like literally the definition of what our podcast is all about. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, so I mean. You didn't think about it before. You do think about it now. I've thought uh, about it a little bit before, but again, like I said, I didn't have the research. Obviously, I didn't do the research that these doctors have done. And then I, once we started doing all the stuff, more more uh, information started popping up. There was a, I don't know if it was on Netflix, but there was a little mini series, which we can probably talk about a little bit later. But um, I didn't really give it too much thought. I don't really know anyone personally that has had one of these, but obviously I'm a very spiritual person, so I'm connected to to the, the to the afterlife and I like hearing these stories because even if it doesn't make you a religious person, it it, it makes a lot of these skeptical people more spiritual. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um and actually I think <laughs> We both watched that. Uh, there's this show on Netflix called Midnight Mass. I don't know. Do you remember watching that? <laughs> um, yeah, I do. So it's actually, I, I thought it was pretty interesting take on some, you know, pretty couple popular topics, but I'm not going to spoil or alert it for anybody. But um, it's pretty interesting in some of the stuff. And one of the get the main actors in it gives his take on like what happens when we die. And he starts talking about, you know, the brain, the synapses firing and dimethyltryptamine coursing through and all these different things. It's just a really kind of an interesting take on it. But yeah, that's a, I know Maurice wasn't, you didn't love that series, did you? No, actually that, that episode is one of the best ones again. Like, I don't know. I had, I had mixed feelings on it because some of the points it was making, it was a little bit, I don't know. I it, I didn't really like some of the, the undertones of it all, but again, the show altogether is really well made, really well shot, really well scripted and acted. So I'm not I'm not poo pooing on it. I I'm sure people will will like it if they watch it. But um, that episode in particular, I really enjoyed because he talks about a lot of the same theories that I I have. A, I have this 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 grand theory of what happens when we die. Um, I don't know if we want to go into that, but I have this this idea that our brains do release the the, the DMT, and it kind of is a bridge between this reality and the next reality. Because I'm a I'm a huge proponent of the next phase of our existence, and I don't think things end in this realm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I go back and I can go back and forth. Um, I know, I know you all, do all day. I right. mean, some days it just depends on the day for me. Some days I believe in for sure this is crazy. There's no way that this could be it. 
for no reason. It's just an accident. And then there's other days where I'm like, this is it, you know? And, and I think there's something, it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because I feel like you can't really live for the next life. Now you kind of just have to like live your life now. You know what I'm saying? Like live and try and live in the moment. And if, if my anxiety and mental health issues has taught me anything, it's that, um, you just have to like live in the moment, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Eckhart Tolle, you know, and it's a kind of like a Buddhist idea or Eastern philosophy idea that anxiety is um, worrying about the future, depression's worrying about the past, and the best way to live is to kind of live in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I, I I could. There's there's points to make on both sides of that coin, but I do think that we, it's it's very important to make the best out of the situation that is that is this existence and. Uh, I don't know if you watched uh, that new Rogan episode, but he had a guru on and he was talking about yeah, a lot about guru. how, yeah, I like that. I I just saw a couple of clips, but he was talking about how heaven can be, can be this, you know what I mean? When you're feeling super, super good, this could be a type of heaven. And it was, a, it was an interesting way to look at it. Cause a lot of people are always trying to live a good life or maybe even put themselves through suffering in hopes that they're going to achieve something greater in the next life. I think it's important to find the happy medium. That's kind of the camp that I live in. Um, I mean, yeah, again, we'll, we'll, let's, we'll start getting into some of this stuff here. I mean, this is the question that we all face, right? I mean, if there's one thing that we all have in common, it's that we are all going to die. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just inevitable. Everything living is going to die. Um, even those jellyfish that can regenerate and live forever at some point when the sun engulfs the earth three billion years from now, if it even makes it that far, it'll, it'll, it won't live long. Right. So, right. Right. Um, so the question is what happens when we die? And the answer to that is no one really knows. Um, there's some ideas. Um, there's the scientific standpoints and, hypotheses and um takes on it but then there's also spiritual takes on it and things that have inspired religions and ancient philosophies and all that um in terms of uh there's a couple different ways to look at too it's like it's either when you when you die the lights go out and it's just like sleeping without dreaming you would never know right because that's right what that would be like um, or there's another layer dimension or level of consciousness. Um, like you said, you're a proponent of that. I like that idea. I want that to be the case, but I mean, wanting something and then, um, it, that actually being the reality of it are two different things. So, mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned, uh, the previous guests that we've had on where we've discussed this again, go check out those episodes. If you've not already, I really liked the, uh, quarks of light, uh, with Rob Gentile. And, yeah, that was uh, a great one. He had two different uh, traditional near-death experiences. Oh, I forgot. I didn't even add that in there. But we've had also Dr. Eben Alexander on, who uh, is a neuroscientist who also had a traditional near-death experience um, a while ago and uh, has written a book, I believe it's called Proof of Heaven. Um, and I think he's got a couple other books. But uh yeah, he had his friend Karen Newell on, and she was into, like, sacred acoustics and stuff like that. I forget what up. Ep- I don't know if you want to look up what number episode that is. Yeah, I can take a peek here. 
Um, but yeah, so we had Dr. Evan Alexander on as well. Uh, so what interested me about this topic actually initially was, uh, my mother had a traditional near death experience, uh, when she was giving birth to my one sister and she was dead, uh, pronounced dead for a few minutes. Um, and during that time, she saw my grandfather who was deceased at the time. And I had a sister who passed away when I was five, she was two and my mom saw her um, as well. Um, and my, and she had some health issues and wasn't, you know, she was missing parts of her brain and stuff like that too. So my, when my mom saw her, she was like complete. Um, and my grandfather was telling my mom, it's not your time, go back. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of piqued my whole interest because again, I've mentioned it on this podcast a bunch, but I mean, I was raised Catholic and, um, you know, when I'm 13, 14 years old, you start to question things and think about other different things, aliens and different theories. And is there life out there and all that kind of stuff. And I just really wasn't super religious. I didn't have any really connect, real connection. And then I uh, started having spiritual experiences when I was introduced to entheogens and psychoactive compounds. Um, but all that aside, um, the aspect that I always found interesting was these near death experiences and people that have these mystical experiences and how does that translate into uh, reality? Is that part of reality? Is it our mind playing tricks on itself? Is it um, what's going on there? Why is there this mechanism of these things happening? Um, or why are there mechanisms for some of these experiences to occur? Again, mm-hmm. is it endogenous chemicals? Is it um, is it psychological? Is it what's going on? Or is it something truly spiritual that's happening that uh, cannot be quantified? I don't know. Yeah, again, that's something I don't think we'll ever know. It's more of a, I don't want, you know, it's faith. I don't want to say faith because it's very connected to you religion can be, but you do be yourself man i mean i, I just because i'm no I'm, know, I'm just saying when you i'm when an you open-minded say skeptic things. you know but i'm not like skeptical like i don't poo-poo things i'm a, this is why we do this show like i look into things i will research it i'll look at the mainstream the fringe and i'll develop my own theory or thoughts on things uh, but that doesn't mean you have to think the same way i do i mean whatever you have your own experiences i'm not saying that i have to either but when i i just try and think twice about when I say certain words that may may or may not turn someone on or off like I try and I want to have an open conversation with somebody and I've had enough experiences in my life where if you don't talk the right way you'll they're they're just going to shut off altogether so you're never even going to be able to get your point through so I, I, I'm just careful of the words I use but you do have to just have a a faith that something will or something is more more than meets the eye and uh i don't know deep down within my stomach i really really truly believe that there is something more and um when you look at some of these these mystical figures like uh uh the a casey or what's that other dude's name um who rudolph steiner rudolph steiner these are some of the some of the dudes that i look up to and they they all say that there's different levels of consciousness and I totally subscribe to that. Yeah. I mean, 
again, I've, you know, I've gotten into all that stuff too. There's certain things that they say where it's like, yeah, it's pretty profound. And then there's other things where it's like, you know, where it's like Steiner doing this lecture on like Lemuria and Atlantis. And like, I mean, we've talked about Atlantis law. We did that episode with Randall Carlson. We've talked to a lot of people about the subject. I'm open to whatever, you know, if there's new evidence or whatever, but like Lemuria, there's some things that are just a little bit too mystical, a little too. So it's like, what is he getting at with that? Like, what's the point of that? You know, does he really, uh-huh. I mean, that was at the turn of the century too. So, I mean, we know a lot more. So it's like, how much stock do you put in um, ancient knowledge? Like there's people that take mystical and spiritual take, they have uh, mystical and spiritual takes on things that I think even the ancient Egyptians had more advanced takes than some of these people just a hundred, 200 years ago. So it just depends on, you know, who it is and um, what they're all about. But yeah, I, I really don't think that li- that that knowledge is linear to the time. I think that there has been a lot of lost um, information, a lot of lost stuff that hasn't been translated into our time. And I love the stuff about the Dogen, and not just because that's a, a nickname of mine, but I, I really like the 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 people, and I like the the idea um, that the energy transfer like we're in the, we're in a phase right now that's the, is super far away from the spirituality of our of our beings and uh i think that over time it'll all come back you might have to i'm i'm bad with the, with the uh with the facts and stuff like that but who's the who's the guest that that does all the dogan stuff dogan uh dogan. yeah leonard leonard scranton i love that stuff because he's talking about it's almost like when you wake up from a dream, you're very connected to that dream. And that was a long, long time ago for, for the human race. When we came from, I think he's, he's pretty much just talks about energy transferring into actual solid matter. And then as we progress in our existence away from that transfer, we forget about all that stuff. And we're in like the middle of, of that 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 period and then from from here onward we're going to get closer back into that connection to spirituality and i think that's that it actually explains a lot about why our ancestors were committed were way more committed to spirituality and all that stuff again maybe it's because they had lack of knowledge but i i don't i don't i don't buy that i think the more scientific information like the closer we get to like looking at atoms and all this stuff, I don't think we're ever going to find the answer downward. I think we're going to, we have to find the answer inward. And that's what it's something I wanted to ask you. You say, I, I, I fight myself back and forth. Some days I believe in, 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 in an afterlife and some days I don't. Let me ask you this. Do you think that deep down you believe that there's an afterlife and then your brain, because you are very knowledgeable, you're trying to think yourself out of that, that, that initial gut instinct. I mean, what it is is, um, I mean, you might be onto something a little bit with that. I I question that myself, but uh, I would say it's more along the lines of, um, I don't want to just believe something just to believe. Like, at what point? At what point do we trust like logic and reason and science? And then at what point do we turn it off? And that's always this balance I've always 
found where it's like you don't want to be dragged into scientism or just the the worship of science but then you also don't want to just believe something that there's really nothing to it or like one guy a hundred years ago said some stuff that sounded interesting and you just ran with it you know what i'm saying so right um i have to walk that i have to walk that line and figure out um am I choosing to believe in something just to believe something or am I choosing, um, am I choosing what I know and is what I know aligned with what I deep down think or I don't, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough. That's what I'm saying. It's like this tough thing that I go through, um, regularly. I don't know how to, I don't know. I think I think every I think everybody goes through that. The one the point that I like to make is deep down within everybody is pure happiness and joy. And when you're born, you start with that. And as you live your life and progress and all these stories and all these activities and things in your life happen to you, it, it piles up and it blocks that natural joy. When you meditate and you sink down within yourself, you feel that joy and happiness. And that's always in the core. It's always at the core of you. So it's always within you. It's all the, all the other stuff that happens in your life that piles up and and takes you away from all that joy. Okay. So this is what it is. I'll tell you this. So deep down, I believe that there's no way that this is just some weird cosmic accident. And there's no way that we're able to, ponder the stars, ponder the universe. Um, there's no way that there were that much uh, more intelligent that we can manipulate our environment for no reason. I don't believe that those things are accidents um, or cosmic mm-hmm. accidents. I just feel like there's something more to it. Now, does that mean I fully believe this or fully believe that? I mean, we've talked about this a million times. People wrote the Bible. People wrote most of these religious texts you know a lot of them were Mm -hmm. um mystical stories or maybe um uh maybe they were influenced by entheogens and psychoactive compounds maybe they're influenced by traditions of these things and i'm going to pull up some stuff in a minute um, about some of the more ancient stuff but uh yeah what it is for me is deep down i don't think that this is an accident i believe that there is some sort of telos or purpose you know from a teleological standpoint i believe that there is some rhyme to this reason uh but i don't go as far as to just take some people's words or people some people's interpretations of what that is or whatever i think we have to find our own interpretation and i think that that's where religion goes wrong is where it's like mental health. It's like trying to say this therapy works for everybody. Therefore, it'll cure everybody. Same thing with religions. This is this God and he does this and it works for everybody. I don't believe that to be true. So um, I'm, that's why I say I'm a spiritual person and not a religious person because I do think there's more. I think there's metaphysical things at play. Um, there's things that there's more than meets the eye, um, if you want to say that. But yeah. There's, I don't think that anybody's gotten it right so far, in my opinion. So I guess that's where I stand on that matter. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, that's that. Those are good points. I I, I really do believe that the that, that people can connect to this. I want to call it like an elevated state. And, and one reason that I I bring that up is my girlfriend. She's from a different country, and she doesn't eat. She eats a lot of pure food. She drinks water that's filtered because she has to. And she always is on point with her uh, assessment of how people act, people's intentions, how I feel. She'll be like, oh, you don't. She goes, what's wrong? And even if I lie and hide it, she still knows. She has like a th- like the sixth sense of just feeling people. And I, that, that leads me to think more about the life that we live in America, we eat a lot of foods that are injected with hormones and all kinds of sugar and all this junk. And that, I, like I said before, that's the stuff that piles on and blocks you from feeling this other state. I, again, I don't know if you prescribe to the thoughts that people can actually, you know, go. I know they were, they were doing tests in the military where they were trying to send people to different locations and, and, and see what like they would they would have tests and you know you know like that those programs they were doing in the military where they were you know giving people acid and stuff like that and trying to see if they could infiltrate places and and, and get information you know just through their minds you mean remote viewing remote viewing yes yes yeah there's so that's the third eye spies a documentary with russell targ and all those guys that were part of that program from Stanford Research Institute. Yeah, I mean, the Men Who Stare at Goats, that movie's based yeah, yeah. on that program. Um, but yeah, I mean... So what's uh, up with that? Do you think that's there's some pretty pretty, pretty there's pe- scientifically sound? Well, there's people... Yeah, I mean, there's people that believe in it. I believe... Uh, I mean, look, you can go into the work of, like, Dean Radin and Rupert Sheldrick and these people that do these experiments where they'll show, like can you tell if somebody's looking at you when you know from behind or something like that or does uh-huh. your pet know when you're going to come home at a, you know uh different times like how do they have these these special cognition you know and there's weird things i mean look um <laughs> i do this thing with my wife where we're about to watch something and i'll be like this is what happens in this and i have no idea what the thing is the show or the movie and i'll guess the whole thing before it even ha- i just have but I think that you can develop that. I don't necessarily think it's like I have can see into the future. I feel like I just can read paths or like branches of of causality, if that makes sense. Or you're having that moment of clarity, kind of like what I was talking about with my girlfriend, where she can so, feel the feelings and stuff like that. And I also wanted to say, remember me with my fresh prints? I could, <laughs> I could uh, guess yeah. the fresh prints episode again. What is that? I mean, yeah. it happened over twenty times. And you know so, what's funny is I, it happened just the recently, <laughs> same thing. Um. So, but there I do it with other things too. Um. But I I also think too there's something you know like I'm not a huge believer necessarily in like law of attraction stuff. I'm open to whatever, but um I feel like it's can be positive or negative. If you think something terrible 
because this, that, or the other, I feel like you're attracting that energy. Same thing with positivity and, um, that kind of a stuff too. I feel like, um, you can attract things or I'm not saying we manifest things with our mind, but I believe that our minds are very, very powerful. And if subconsciously you think something's going to happen, it's not necessarily an accident. Like it's just going to pop up out of the air. You have that embedded into you. Why you think that maybe it's previous experiences, maybe it's pattern recognition, maybe it's a lot of different things coming together, mm-hmm. you know, so that doesn't take anything away from us or any, you know, make it any less special. It's just, you know, there's other stuff at play that we can't really see or recognize sometimes, but yeah. Um, but yeah, moving on, I think that, uh, human beings do have special capabilities. We're obviously still evolving too, and who knows what's going to happen with technology and how we're going to integrate with that and how that affects our future or our evolution. I mean, it'll be interesting, uh, to see. Uh, but, and, you know, and on the manifest, uh, manif- manifesting stuff aspect of it, um, I feel like when we manifest things, it's, we're putting our intention into it. So let's say, uh, you got a guitar and, um, you're like, you know, I really want to play as good as this person. Um, well, you're not going to be the top guitar player overnight, but if you put in 10 hours a day, or let's just say even, let's just say you put in a half hour a day, you'll get pretty good pretty quickly within a year or two. I used to give guitar lessons. You're familiar with the guitar. Um, you can get relatively quick if you put stuff, you put the time and the energy into it. So the same thing with anything else. If you, let's say you write something down, I'm going to achieve this or I'm going to do that you know, it's almost like magic in the sense that you're going to be more likely to manifest or create that thing um, than if you didn't take the steps to do it. So I think that that's Mm -hmm. part of it as well. Uh, In terms of near-death experiences, historically, um, the ancient Egyptians and ancient people experiencing NDEs, um, what might have they thought or believed ahead of time? Like, so... I think about this too, like in ancient times, um, there must've been people that had weird experiences, whether somebody almost drowned, um, and they were revived by, or maybe it was an accident where they came back kind of a thing or because reviving somebody from cardiac arrest and, you know, resuscitation, those are actually kind of relatively new, um, in terms of medicine and, uh, medical capabilities. But in ancient times, there had to have been somebody that had some crazy experience where they almost drowned or died or they did die and then they came back, you know, and that person would have had some crazy sort of insights compared to everybody else, right? Absolutely. Like the person that did that, that person, they'd be, you know, people would be buying them beer or wine for the rest of their life trying to hear the stories about what was going yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the ancient Egyptians were fascinated with death um, in terms of, uh, obviously the mum- mummification process, a lot of ancient Egyptians believe that, you know, uh, the soul moves on, um, uh, the Ba and the Ka, um, the two different aspects of the person or the self. Um, but then, um, I was reading something and not all Egyptians believed that there was life after death. There is some hieroglyphs and texts that show some skepticism, uh, among, death and the dying process and stuff like that. So it's not like every single ancient Egyptian believed that we were all going to the next level. There were some that were skeptical of those ideas. 
Um, let's see here. Uh, in terms of, um, let's see, near death experiences have been you know recorded since again ancient times. You can go through probably uh, a lot of ancient texts and find something similar to what would be a traditional near-death experience but the oldest known medical report of a near-death experience was written by pierre jean manchot an 18th century french military doctor who described such case in his book anecdotes de medicine uh in the 19th century a few studies have uh, moved beyond individual cases um Oh, and it says up to in or er, in two thousand and five, there was a study where nine they found ninety five percent of the world's cultures were known to have some sort of mention of an NDE. So again, that brings up my point that most ancient cultures have it down somewhere where this is a possibility, or maybe that's where they got information for some of these ideas of metaphysics. Uh, if you watch our show or listen to our show a lot, you'll know that I'm a proponent of the idea that altered states of consciousness, whether it be psychedelic, psychoactive compounds, meditation, near death experiences, Mm -hmm. just anything that alters your consciousness is definitely the source for our ideas of metaphysics um, or metaphysical realms, things of that nature. So, um, but, uh, yeah. So, and then in terms of, let's look at like the traits of like somebody that has a near death experience. Like, what is some of these um, things that they experience? Uh, one would be self or a sense of awareness of being dead. Like, you're aware that you're dead. Um, another one would be a sense of peace, well being, painlessness, uh, with associated with positive emotions. Uh, a sense of removal from the world. Um, an out-of-body experience where some people have had out-of-body experiences obviously not related to near-death experiences. Some people are able to meditate or um, have other uh, altered states of consciousness where they're able to get outside their body. But a perception of one's body from being outside of the body, um, sometimes observing medical professions, performing uh, resuscitation efforts, They'll have what's known as the tunnel experience where they are entering um, darkness or moving towards a tunnel, towards light, or through a passageway or staircase. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, a lot Uh, of people have have reports where it's like they don't want to come back. Right. Or they're sad, right? They're sad that they have to come back or there's like some sort of like wanting or longing to go back to that other previous place. Mm-hmm. Um, a rapid movement towards uh, and or sudden emergent uh, in a powerful light uh, being of light which communicates telepathically with a person that's pretty common that's actually what my mom experienced except it took on the form of her deceased um, father and uh, daughter and uh yeah, an intense feeling of unconditional love and acceptance. Yeah. Um, encountering beings of light, beings dressed in white. Um, I've heard there's ones where people don't have hands or feet, too. That's another one that I've seen, like a um, cross-referenced a few times. 
um, the possibility of being re, uh, reunited with deceased loved ones. And again, you can even take that back to ancient Egypt. You know, that's where a lot of the idea of some of these ancient civilizations, um, where they were going to meet up, you know, um, certain star clusters or Orion's belt or whatever, like they're aligning themselves with certain constellations and stars and everything. Cause that's where they were going to meet up in the afterlife. That was when the, that's where the idea of those, their idea of heaven was, was up in the stars or whatever. Now we know it would have to more, if there was something like that, it would have to be maybe a pot, another spatial dimension or something having to do with consciousness that we're unaware of. So, yeah. Wasn't there like a group of monks that would meditate and they would all try and go to the same place when they meditate. And then when they like the, the whole idea behind that was when they die, then they could go back to that place and then they could meet up. I don't know. I mean, that sounds, like we talked about that in another episode, but we probably so did. Many. I can't remember everything, bro. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Cause I, I watch a lot of, you know, you, you watch these radio shows and they're like, I can't even remember. And it's like, how do you not remember that stuff? But now I'll remember we Laird Scranton's name episodes. next time. And then... <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Laird. Dude. Dude. Um, so this is an interesting one. They just did a study. See if you can pull up this article, uh, Life Review, or a recent study showing when the body dies, there's some sort of recall of memories or something. Uh, it should be a recent article, but there was a recent article where they were able to use brain scans and see all these firings of synapses and different things going on where they believe that this person was having some sort of recall of their their memories. So that would back up the idea of having a uh, life review or having your life flash before your eyes. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Another one would be approaching a border or a decision by oneself or others return to one's body, often accompanied by the reluctance to return. That's what we discussed before, not wanting to um, come back once you're there. It's just so beautiful. Or, and even who we've talked to Dr. Eben Alexander, Rob Gentile, um, even Penny Sartori was talking about this with some of their patients that these people didn't, you know, they felt like this place was a place of love and it was just such a beautiful place. And that's why they were sad to return. There's something, and imagine that, imagine that this life and this, this life is full of pain. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't have struggles and pains and issues and things like that. Absolutely. Um, uh, in terms of, you know, Life is pain in a certain way. So like going to this other place, it must be beautiful. Or if it is just a flash before you die, at least you get sent off, you know, with fireworks in an awesome way where it's, you're at peace with everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, that, it makes a lot of sense that if you're not in your body, then there's nothing because pain is, is generated by your mind. So if you're leaving your body, the funny, the, the weird thing about the near-death experience is they have actual data that shows the brain and some of these people is actually dead. There's no energy or like electricity flowing through the brain on their monitors. Their brain 
is technically shut down. But then when they yeah. come back, they have memories during that time when their brain is shut down. So if your brain is your essence, then how are people coming back with memory and to them having an experience? It Maybe it is a dreamlike like state, but they're coming back with an experience and a memory and an account when technically their brain is fully off and gone. So that's right. the that's the stuff that I really dig into that excites me and you know I, I, I who knows if we're ever gonna have any clarity or you never know because a hundred years ago we were talking about this and that being fact and in a hundred years from now we'll be talking about this and that being fact and all the stuff we're talking about now will not be such such fact so I don't know. I found um, an article from March 7th, 2022. When are we really dead? New studies shed light on uh, near-death experiences. It's on the. It's in medical news today. Let me see this. I need a, <laughs> I need a better young Jamie here. Well, what do you want me to do? I found an article about it. I'm sure there's articles that come out about this stuff all the time. It's a nice little article. It's from a PhD, so there's some credibility behind it it's not just some some everyday person coming up with some some theories again most of i think pretty much every episode we've done on near-death experiences we've had a doctor on so there's credibility behind all the facts that we have gained and have released out to the to the public so chew on that ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Um, I'd also like uh, to ask everybody to smash that like button if you if you're enjoying today's episode. It really helps us get into the algorithm. Here we go. Found in two seconds. I'm I'm a better young Jamie myself here. Um, so it says brain scans of a dying man suggest life flashes before our eyes upon death. Uh, an an elderly epilepsy patient unexpectedly died during a brain scan, revealing bursts of activity. Uh, associated with memory recall, meditation, and dreaming. Um, I'll try and link that article to the bottom uh, when we're done. But yeah, that's that was interesting uh, study that they were able to do. That was kind of an accident too. It seems like some of the more interesting things that they find are usually by mistake or you know just a coincidence, if you want to call it a coincidence. But um, yeah. So back to some of these traits of an NDE experience. Uh, so often, you know, uh, we mentioned the people not wanting to come back and then often accompanied uh, or, uh, you know, some sort of reluctance to return um, and or suddenly finding oneself back inside one's body. Uh, another thing would be connection to the cultural beliefs held by the individual which seems to dictate some of the phenomenon experienced in NDEs, particularly later um, uh, interpretation of. Um, so the interesting thing about that is when we talk about altered states of consciousness, whether it be psychedelic experiences, um, meditation, um, whatever it is, any sort of um, altered state, even like UFO experiences in UAP, you could even go into the work of um, Jacques Vallée and this idea that the phenomenon um, 
manifests itself in a way that you could interpret it or something that you're interested in. So it communicates with you through that. This is interesting because it's kind of the same thing. Um, and, and that's what I wonder, is our mind doing this because it knows itself or is there something external manifesting these things, showing us loved ones, showing us this or presenting itself in different ways because we know um, that that's how, or, you know, our, our subconsciously our mind knows that that's how it'll identify with us. So it's, is it internal or is it external? It's similar to when we talk about psychedelic entities. Are they internal or are they external? Are they manifest? Is it our mind manifesting these things themselves? Or is there something external interacting with us, presenting itself in that way because they know that we can handle it that way, if that makes sense? Yeah, and again, I lead it back to the brain. How do people have experiences when the brain shut off? Yeah. I mean, I don't, that's why we're talking about the subject right now. <laughs> um, Again, that's all you need to know. The brain is dead, but people are coming back with experience. So we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, guy right now, Kenneth Ring, who's a famous, uh, I think he's a psychologist, but he's uh, famous for kind of bringing this into the mainstream. I mean, you have um, Dr. Raymond Moody, the famous book life after life where he compiles all the data. And, um, I, I recommend life after life. If you've never read it, um, the great album name actually. Well, yeah, that's simplicities. I know. Name of their I album. Yeah. This band that we grew up, uh, same community as us are pretty sick jam band from back in the day. Uh, their first album was life after life, which is, uh, really cool. Name. Crisp. Um, but yeah, so you had Ray, Raymond Moody, but then in 1980, you have Kenneth Ring come along, who I believe he's a professor, he's a uh, yeah professor of psychology, I think I believe at the University of Connecticut. Uh, but he subdivided the near-death experiences into five a five-stage continuum, uh, which was peace, body separation, entering darkness, seeing the light, and then entering another realm of existence through the light so that's interesting i mean from a lot of different standpoints but in terms of um in terms of light like maybe that's how things travel i mean if you can travel the speed of light you can obviously do a lot but what does that have to do with our consciousness um you know, we take everything in through photons. Imagine if there was no light, we wouldn't exist. You wouldn't even know anything. So, yeah. Um, but in terms of entering light and, and that kind of a thing, and then you look at like, again, like altered states of consciousness and the way inter light interacts with those and everything. Uh, can you, can you travel that way? You know, if there is more to life, is that how things go down? Is that how it travels along? I remember listening to, I want to, it was, um, oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Sir Roger Penrose. Um, yeah. He's a, a physicist who studied black holes, but he was on Joe Rogan a few years ago and he was talking about if there was alien life, there could be these things like eons where there's like, you know, the big bang and then there's a, another big bang and there's multiple big bangs. And then 
if there was alien life that survived, they could encode things into light. Um, so there could be information in light that would be encoded in it from previous eons or whatever, uh, previous universes, that kind of a thing. I thought that that was kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, that's real cool because that that is somewhat of an explanation for building of the pyramids if they got it somehow transferred to them through who knows what, elevating their consciousness, gaining information. Again, it doesn't have to be... I know that you've resided in the fact that aliens didn't come down and build these things, and I totally agree with you, but just because a physical alien didn't come down and build things doesn't mean that we weren't gaining information from some faraway place. I mean, you could say, like, ideas or thoughts are alien. I mean, look, you could even... Well, that's a great... I love that. Yeah, that's really cool. I've even said this a million times before. If panspermia is right, we are all aliens. So, I mean, then technically a lot of anything, everything is at that mm-hmm. point. So, um, well, they yeah. show that octopus might have g- g- got down here from a different time. If, if, if the earth, if our generation of whatever creature evolved to what we are now, then the octopi might have came at a different time which is very strange. I mean, yeah, we've, we, well, that my octopus teacher is a fantastic documentary. Um, Oh yeah. We did a review on that a while back. That was a great documentary, but yeah. Octopus, octopi. Yeah. I don't know what the correct term is. I I saw that octopi wasn't correct. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's octopuses or octopus. I think it's just octopus for everything might be but i don't know coming from detroit where they throw them on the the ice at the red wings game <laughs> yeah people after, have had an argument for a long time after over that I, I i started feeling bad for sure um right right but yeah again sherman pointed out yeah we are alien yeah i mean if panspermia is correct again if you believe um uh even though um cron or uh chondritic asteroids or things that you know these meteors and um uh asteroids that carry organic compounds landed um landed here you know there's a good chance that uh there's a good chance that uh your cat agrees yeah man <laughs> um but yeah i mean in terms of uh i i believe in panspermia personally like i don't i mean i i I would be open to abiogenesis if there was like a better better model for it and life was proven to be created here on this planet but i'm not 100 percent sold on it so i'm yeah it looks like i here's oh my college is going off the rails here um (laughs) i don't uh i don't know i think when you look at like the origins of life. Some people don't like the idea of panspermia because it doesn't really answer. Um, You'd have to where, be foolish not to take that in as a val- very valid option no, of how things what happen. But like panspermia doesn't really answer how life is created. It actually kind of passes it off in a way because you're just saying life came here from somewhere else. It doesn't actually answer where did life come from, what molecules, what was the process. It just says, okay, these 
this stuff landed here and then that's how it started. It doesn't actually show the process, but then there's other theories that is like a combination of things. Like there was stuff needed to come from asteroids and meteorites that eventually became an integral part of the process of the chemical process of creating life. So there's different ways to look at it. I don't want to get too far into it because it's a whole different topic, but um, well, if the if the moon has been taking impact from th- different things, then the Earth has definitely taken impact from all over, and God knows what. So, I'm sure something has survived. Yeah. Like, again, like I said, if you if you discount that theory, then you're just not of you're not doing your job correctly because that's a very good valid theory that that's how things travel through the universe and land here and then find a home, a new home and a perfect environment to expand upon. I, I, but you know, jumping back to what you said, I love the idea that thoughts are alive in a way. And I've even seen, I've even read theories that, you know, the earth could be actually a living organism. It's it, it is an organism, but the earth, it might be conscious in a collective sense. Yeah, but there are things to, you know, again, I don't want to get too far off topic because you start talking about like personality of planets and astral bodies and you start getting into things that have to do with like, you know, like the Earth's got its wobble or precession and oh yeah, Saturn has its rings. You like you each of these planets and structures kind of have their own personality or Unique, special yeah. trait or whatever, you know, but again, let's move on here. So back to the near-death stuff, Charlotte Marshall, who is a neuropsychologist uh, from the University of Liege, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, led a team that investigated 154 near-death experiences and concluded that there is not a fixed sequence of events. Um, let's see here. Uh, Dr. Ravon Kaysen uh, classified near-death experiences into three different types. Number one the out-of-body experience type, two, the mystical or white light type, or three, the distressing type. So again, I'm just going through all these different researchers' takes on this topic because, um, and some of these people are considered very um, renowned researchers, and then some of them are considered to be yeah like fringe or pseudoscientific but you know some of these uh skeptics or skeptical um scientists definitely have um definitely have a uh agenda you know they'll they'll yeah you gotta be careful about that they'll definitely call a lot of things pseudoscientific that aren't really i think these these some of these scientists are doing real scientists or real doing real science obviously Uh um Let's see here. Kenneth Ring argues that near-death experiences experienced following attempted suicides are statistically no more unpleasant than NDEs resulting from other situations. Uh, in one series of NDEs, 22% of uh, or occurred during general uh, anesthesia. So this... Um, this study that he's talking about, because I, I know there's some people that talk about people that try and commit suicide and here to have a near death experience. Yeah. It's like not good. Or, yeah. And then I've, I, yeah. I, I, I have heard those before, but according to his studies, they're like statistically no more different. So there's people that have 
that have bad near-death experiences that don't, you know, didn't do that or had a more natural um, experience, you know, at the end of the life or whatever. So, mm-hmm. so, and then the uh, here's some of the after effects of NDEs are associated with changes in personality and outlook on life. Um, that was, I think, a big part of when we talked to uh, Rob Gentile. I mean, I think you can speak to this too. He definitely seemed like he had a different take on things. And um, I think people that I've talked to that have had them, it's it's almost like they're either not afraid of death after that or they have such a positive experience that it's like uh, the greatest trip ever or the greatest you know therapy ever or something along those lines. Yeah, for sure. Again, if you see that, everything's going to be all right. It's good. It makes a lot, it makes this life a lot easier to, to, to take. Absolutely. Um, some of the other changes he found were people that had a greater appreciation for life, higher self-esteem, greater compassion for others, less concern for acquiring uh, material wealth, a uh, heightened sense of purpose and self-understanding desire to learn um, elevated spirituality, greater um, ecological sensitivity and planetary concern, um, feeling of being more intuitive, no longer worrying about death, as I mentioned, uh, continue or uh, claiming to have witnessed an afterlife. Um, let's see and, here. And that's why I think there's a big connection between that and the release of DMT because you see a lot of the same traits in people that take ayahuasca. Um, so, and then, so there's another, we'll talk about this, but, uh, Dr. Bruce Grayson describes some circumstances and changes in attitude and behavior that can lead to, uh, psychosocial and psychospiritual problems as well. So it's not all good in some, some cases. Um, let's see here. So in, with, with, when it comes to like scientific work or near-death studies, you have uh, Dr. Bruce Grayson, who's a psychiatrist. You have Kenneth Ring, who I mentioned, who's a psychologist. Uh, Michael Sabam, uh, who's a cardiologist. Um, and these people helped introduce this basically as a field of near-death ex- uh, studies. Um, let's see here. Um, the studying of near-death experiences and academic studies, uh, yeah, from, oh, from 1975 to 2005, uh, some 200 or 2,500 self-reported individuals in the U S have been, uh, reviewed in retrospective studies in the phenomena associated with, um, this and an additional 600 outside of the U S, uh, 70 in Asia, Let's see here. Additional uh, prospective studies have identified 270 in- individuals. Um, let's see here. Okay, so one of the main ones where people tend to get the traditional near-death experience that, you know, the white light and all the traits that we were talking about a lot of them actually have to do with cardiac arrest. So a lot of it is involved, you know, has some sort of connection to the heart uh, and that kind of stuff. So um, 
it says uh, Sam Parnia or Parnia or Parnia um, published a study, a year-long study of cardiac arrest survivors, uh, and it was conducted at Southampton General Hospital. Sixty-three survivors were interviewed. Uh, that had been resuscitated after being clinically dead with no pulse, no respir- uh, respiration, and fixed dilated pupils. Parnia, and, or Parnia, again, I don't know how you pronounce this guy's name, uh, and colleagues investigated the out-of-body experience claims by placing figures in an area where patients were likely to be resuscitated on suspended floorboards facing the ceiling, um, not visible from the floor, for experience uh forehead experiences that according to the researchers were NDEs, but none of them experienced out of body experiences. Um, thus they were not able to experience, uh, identify the figures. Um, so that was like one of those tests. It's kind of like the test where I think when we had Dr. Penny Sartori on, she was saying like a way to scientifically test some of these, uh, experiences, especially with some of the elderly would be, to have targets. So if they're going under for an operation or they're dying or being resuscitated or they have some sort of condition where they are know that that's a possibility, things like that, there's targets set up where they'll ask them then afterwards, did you see this or did you see that? Some of the targets that were set up. And I don't think they've had much success because I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, but um, they are trying to figure out different ways to test some of these ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, psychologist Chris French wrote the study um, uh, for the study. Uh, unfortunately, and somewhat atyp- uh, atypically, none of the survivors in the sample experienced out-of-body experiences. Um, let's see here. Another famous near-death experience researcher is Pim Van Lommel. Lommel, I believe is actually, yeah, it's Pim Van Lommel, uh, who is a cardiologist from the Netherlands. Him and his team conducted a study of NDEs, uh, including 344 cardiac arrest patients who had been successfully resuscitated in 10 Dutch hospitals. Patients reporting or not reporting NDEs were used as controls uh, for the patients who did. Um, And let's see here. the pharmacological data was compared between the two groups, and the work also included a longi- uh, longitudinal study where two groups, um, those who had NDEs and those who had not had one, were compared at two and eight years for life changes. One patient at a conventional, uh, or one patient had a conventional out of body experience. He reported being able to watch and recall events during his time of his cardiac arrest. His claims were confirmed by the hospital personnel. Uh, this did not appear consistent with hallucinant, uh, hallucinatory or illusionary uh, experiences uh, or illusory experiences as the recollections were compatible with real and verifiable rather than imaginary events. Um, so that's kind of interesting. This person was able to talk about what he saw them doing, like working on them. And then they actually confirm that with the people that were actually working on them. So that's kind of interesting. Absolutely. Uh, again, there was the awareness during the recitation, uh, resuscitation study, uh, Parnia again, it's university of Southampton. 
they did a bunch of studies on uh, people that had cardiac arrest events and um, the different survivors and then seeing um, uh, how many people were be, were able to be aware during these times. And then there was what's called aware two. Uh, you can, again, go look into some of these studies because there's a lot more to some of them. I'm just kind of giving you a general overview. Uh-huh. Um, so now we get to some different exp- um, different explanations, different models and hypotheses and theories on what could be happening during these events. Um, psychologist Chris uh, French has grouped approaches to explain NDEs into three broad groups, which include um, spiritual theories, also called transcendental. Uh, two would be psychological theories and three physiological theories. Uh, so these are all just different ways to explain what's happening. Uh, French summarizes this model by saying the most popular interpretation in that the NDE is exactly what it appears to be to the person having the experience. The NDE would then represent evidence of, uh, the supposedly immaterial existence of the soul or mind, um, which would leave upon the body or death. An NDE would then provide information about uh, the immaterial world where the soul would journey upon uh, ending into its existence uh, or its existence on earth. Um, you know, then you have Bruce Grayson talking about how NDE phenomenon cannot be exp- uh, easily explained with our current knowledge of human uh, physiology and psychology Again, we don't really know what consciousness is, um, even the way that our, our, the chemicals in our body, the endogenous chemicals, I mean, they just found uh, DMT or dimethyltryptamine in the brain and cerebral spinal fluid and all sorts of different parts of the body recently. That's not that long ago that all that stuff was happening at U of M. And um, so, I mean, we're finding new stuff out every day. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, let's see here. So then you get, this is somebody that would be kind of like, um, a skeptic. You have psychologist James Alcock, uh, Alcock, whatever. Uh, he says that all these described afterlife claims and NDE researchers and scientists looking into all this is all pseudoscientific. Um, he said it's all spiritual or transcendental interpretations based on um, this. These people are searching for this data as opposed to just finding it via scientific discovery. I would disagree. It sounds like a lot of these studies, even though they are looking for certain things, um, cannot be explained by other scientific models that we do know of and understanding of um, the body and physiology and psychology and things like that. So. Yeah, and we're not experts, and we've had on a lot of experts. And again, going back to that gut instinct, I think these people have they're on to something valid. I really don't believe that they're searching for something because a lot of them believed the opposite before they started to get into the near death experience realm. So yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't like that at all. But again, maybe I'm searching for the answers. Ooh, he doesn't like that at all. <laughs> Um, so now we get, so here's some of the different (laughs) models. This is called the, uh, expectancy model. Um, this is the, the theory that 
you kind of experience what you expect to experience. So let's say you have an idea of what heaven is, or you have an idea of what's going to happen when you die. Um, this model is saying that your mind might create that illusion once that starts to happen via different compounds coursing through your veins or just your psychology and the way your mind works in general. Um, so that's called the expectancy model. So you're expecting something to happen um, and therefore that it would happen. Again, I'm just, these aren't things that I believe. These are just different um, explanations. Um, also, near-death experiences, again, is pretty new. I mean, the, t the term was coined in 1975. Um, so it's like when people... I, I, uh, a good example would be like Terrence McKenna is talking about machine elves. Now you see machine elves all over YouTube and the internet and, you know, people talking about DMT experience, they call these entities or different experience, you know, these, um, realms, machine elves and tryptamine palaces and all these things, all these names and things weren't really around before that. So is this becoming built into our psyche and then therefore being, uh, created in the mind? I don't know, but it's mm -hmm. an interesting, interesting thought to ponder. There's the disassociation model, which proposes that uh, an NDE is a form of uh, withdrawal to protect an individual from a stressful event. So under extreme circumstances, some people may detach from certain unwanted feelings in order, you know, if they're experiencing emotional impact and suffering, uh, so kind of sounds again, like exactly what it's disassociation or like somebody going into shock or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, there's the birth model, which the birth model suggests that near death experiences could be a form of reliving the trauma of birth. Uh, since a baby travels from darkness of the womb to the light, uh, is greeted by loved ones and warmth, the nursing, uh, medical staff, um, so this would be when the dying brain could be recreating the passage through a tunnel uh, to light and warmth and affection. Um, reports of leaving the body through a tunnel are equally frequent among subjects who were born by cesarean section or C-sections and natural uh -huh. birth. Uh, so also newborns do not possess the visual acuity, spatial stability, and visual images. Um or cortical coding capacity to register memories of the birth experience. So that's kind of an interesting take that it's like the opposite of what happens when you, when you're born is, is when you die. So, yeah. Uh, the physiological explanations. So a wide range of different theories having to do with processes of the body or biological function, uh, have been put forth. Some of those are, Cerebral hypoxia, um, another one's anoxia, and hypercampia or hypercampnia. Um, endorphins and other neurotransmitters and abnormal activity in the temporal lobes. The temporal, remember I was talking about, um, we were talking uh, Mysteries of Metaphysics 4.5. Um, Actually, this should be, what did I call this? 4.6. This should be, yeah, this should be 5.0. Uh oh. Uh oh. 
Uh-oh. This is Mysteries of Metaphysics 5.0. What are we doing? Uh, I'll change that in the thing after whatever. People just have to deal with it. But anyways. Um, but yeah, Mysteries of Metaphysics 4.5. We were discussing ancient Egypt and that uh, Tutmosis, uh, Akhenaten, King Tut bloodline and how there's some suggestion that uh, since there was health issues with that bloodline, that it could be temporal lobe epilepsy, which causes people to enter like dreamlike altered states of consciousness and have kind of these mystical experiences and things like that. So uh, I wouldn't rule that out. Actually, that's kind of interesting. And that also doesn't rule out something metaphysical at play either. It's just that could be the biological mechanism in which that occurs. Yeah. Um, so other neurobiological factors in the experience have been investigated by different researchers, uh, among the researchers and commentators who tend to emphasize naturalistic and neurological base for experiences. Um, you know, you have uh, British psychologist, Susan Blackmore, um, with the dying brain hypothesis. Uh, let's see here. Neural anatomical models. Uh, there's different scientists associated with this. Olaf Blanke, uh, Sebastian uh, Diegas, and uh, let's see. Um, they propose that there's two different types of NDEs. Type 1 NDEs are due to bilateral and frontal and occipital, but pri uh, predominantly right hemispheric brain damage affecting right temporal parietal junction and characterized by out-of-body experiences, altered sense of time, sensations of flying, and lightness of vection and flying. Uh, type 2 NDEs would, are also um, due to bilateral and frontal occipital, uh, but pri uh, predominantly left hemispheric brain damage affecting left temporal parietal junction and characterized by feelings of presence, meeting and communicating with spirits, seeing of glowing bodies, as well as voices, sounds, and musics, or mu musics, with music. Um, they suggest that damage to the bilateral occipital cortex may lead to visual features of NDEs, such as the tunnels and the lights, uh, and damage to the unilateral and by bilateral temporal lobe structures such as the hippocampus and amygdala may lead to emotional experiences, memory flashbacks, and a life review. So, hmm. but again, I know that got kind of sciencey, but uh -huh. I'm just laying it all out there for everybody. That's where Michael likes to come from. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay. The animation of the human left temporal lobe uh, French, again, who I mentioned earlier, has written that the temporal lobe is almost certain to be involved in NDEs given that both brain damage and uh, direct cortical stimulation of this area is known to produce a number of experiences corresponding with those of NDEs, OBEs, hallucinations, and memory flashbacks. Um, let's see here. And then this is one that I think we're all familiar with, if you listen to the show, uh, would be the neurochemical models. Uh, so some theories explain that NDEs um, 
or near-death experiences are a result of um, drugs being used during resuscitation. Uh, for example, ketamine. Um, and then there's the other explanation, which would be endogenous chemicals that transmit signals between brain cells or neurotransmitters. Um, let's see here. It says, in the early 80s, Daniel Carr wrote that the NDE has characteristics that are suggestive of a limbic lobe syndrome uh, that the NDE can be explained by the release of endorphins and I don't know how I said enkephalins um, in the brain endorphins and uh, endorphins are endogenous molecules released in times of stress that lead to reduction in, in pain perception and a, pl a pleasant blissful emotional state uh, Judson and Whitshaw in 1983 noted how the administration of endorphin blocking agents such as uh, naloxone uh, has been occasionally reported to produce hellish NDEs uh, and would be coherent with endorphins uh, role in causing a positive emotional tone of most NDEs. Uh, Whoa. Okay. In 2019, a large study found that ketamine, uh, salvia divinorum, and uh, DMT and other classical psychedelic substances are linked to near-death experiences. Uh, however, according to Parnia, or Parnia, I don't know how you pronounce the name, uh, neurochemical models are not backed by data. This is true for M or NMDA receptor activation, uh, serotonin, and endorphin release models. Uh, Parnia writes that no data has been collected via thorough and careful experimentation uh, backed by a possible uh, casual relationship or even association uh, between neurochemical agents and NDE experiences. I will say this. Um, so I was looking about a year and a half ago to find somebody uh, that has had a traditional near-death experience and that has also tried DMT or other um, potent psychedelics. I did find somebody on a Facebook for uh, one of the Facebook groups. Uh, I think it was a psychedelic group. Uh, this person did not want to come on the podcast. However, they did tell me that um, there is a lot of crossover between the 5-MeO DMT experience and the near-death experience. And then... A little while after that, we did have Matthew Palomari on, who is an author and a psychonaut, and he was talking about how his friend um, had a near-death experience. He dropped, I think he had like a heart attack or something, he dropped dead on stage while he was performing, uh, and when he came back, he told him it was very similar to the 5-MeO DMT experience as well. So I find that fascinating. Again, I'm not saying that that's exactly what's happening, but we do know that uh, DMT is produced in the brain, uh, another, you know, uh, cerebral spinal fluid and different things. So would that be out of the question that that plays a role? I don't think so. Uh, and that would play into what Maurice's favorite theory is. Yeah. Um, and again, that doesn't have to mean either that it's just a material explanation that has no mystical associations or nature to it either. That that just means that that might be the mechanism in which that happens. Uh, I know that there's some people in like the near-death 
experienced communities and there's researchers that are like threatened by this idea that these endogenous chemicals or whatever are, um, are the, are the cause or the mechanism behind that. And I just, I don't see that like that considering that these same compounds are powerful and they might be at the root of all the mystery traditions that we know and everything. So, um, yeah, that's just, uh, I like that one. Um, I think that based on my own experiences, I think that, um, I don't know. I think that that one's interesting. Um, there's the multifactorial models. Uh, the first formal neurobiological model for uh, NDE, including endorphins, neurotransmitters of the limbic system, the temporal lobe and other parts of the brain. Extensions and variations of the model come from other scientists such as Louis Appleby, uh, 1989, other authors suggest that all the components of the near-death experiences can be explained entirely through uh, psycho, uh, psychological or neurophysiological mechanisms, although authors admit that these hypotheses have yet to be tested by science. Um, there's the low oxygen model, which low oxygen levels in the blood causes hypoxia or anoxia and have uh, have been hypothesized to induce hallucinations, hence possibly explaining NDEs. This is because low oxygen levels characterize life-threatening situations and also apparently similarities between NDEs and G-force induce loss of consciousness. Um, now that's an interesting one. I think in, what was I, was it Life After Life? I think it was Life After Life where he's talking about talking with, pilots that undergo this g-force that like lose consciousness and have these weird experiences um and then you have uh i mean do you remember when i did that like breath work yeah I did that patreon segment with ben holt who does the breath work uh retreats and the plant medicine retreats and i did one i think it was like an alkaline breath uh breathing exercise and I felt like I was tripped out kind of. You do like 40 deep, fast breaths. And I mean, if you breathe, uh, do some of these these breath work exercises or holotropic breath work or do, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Wim Hof breathing techniques. Uh -huh, you, do, uh -huh. you, know, you, can, you can get pretty psychedelic with these experiences for sure. So I wouldn't rule this one out either um losing oxygen i'm not saying no again. again like if you read the the doors of perception with the extra part of the heaven and hell at the end the whole end of it's just talking about how people have altered their states of consciousness whether it's flogging or depriving themselves of certain nutrients and obviously breath and that kind of stuff like getting a certain amount of oxygen can alter the alter your state of consciousness so that there's no there's no myth there. It definitely can transport you. Yeah. Uh, it says also hypoxic hallucinations are characterized by distress and agitation. This is very different from near-death experiences, which sub, uh, subjects report being present. Um, it says some investigators have studied whether 
hypercarbia or higher than normal carbon dioxide levels could explain uh, the occurrence of NDEs. However, studies are difficult to interpret since NDEs have been observed both with increased levels and decreased levels of carbon dioxide. So that doesn't mm. really give you a answer one way or the other. Um, uh, some other models, French, uh, which is that guy we were mentioning earlier, said that um, some of this could be based on false memories. Um, you know, uh, the mind playing tricks on itself, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's just so many different variations of, of this. I mean, um, there's the cross-cultural aspects of it where, again, if you believe in certain things or you have different interpretations of things, um, whether, let's say, uh, you have, near-death experience and you are familiar with uh shamanic uh way of life or um have had some of those experiences you might you that might be brought into it or you have a religious background and um you might experience something having to do with your religion or your religious ideas um if you're a spiritual person there might be a spiritual element to it you know so i think it's again, goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, like where I was talking about like Jacques Vallée and like UFOs and aliens and uh, even uh, John Keel and like this idea that these things are weird and they might present themselves in ways that we can interpret them based on what we know. Um, Again, but you could also then say that it's your own mind and your own mind subconsciously already knows these things and is presenting it in a way which doesn't really make sense either so yeah but you can always just come that's i think that's like a cop out it's just oh it's the mind you can always just say that right but you get enough people together you can't just say oh it's just the mind so back to the relation to like the ancient civilization stuff and everything uh, as I mentioned earlier, that one guy, Kenneth Ring, who is the, from the Department of Psychology at the University of Connecticut, he wrote a paper. Um, you can find it online. It's called From Alpha to Omega, Ancient Mysteries and Near-Death Experiences. So he's talking about how the Osirian uh, temple rites of ancient Egypt might have been involved in ceremonial procedures deliberately calculated to induce an experience that was functionally identical to modern near-death experiences so he starts off you know swinging for the fences already um saying that uh the ancient egyptian uh syrian uh the temple rites or the mystery traditions of ancient egypt could be a recreation of this dying process or near-death experience um and then it goes into a whole lot of other stuff similar stuff um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It goes into the whole Egyptian mysteries, and uh, um, you mentioned the pyramids. There's stuff like mm-hmm. that in there. Uh, and then also it talks about like the Greek traditions and um, the Eleusinian mysteries. The whole point of the Eleusinian mysteries was for people to die before you die, um, to have that experience so you wouldn't be scared to death. You know, you have all the famous. Greeks that participated, Plato, Socrates, uh, I mean, 
you can look it up. There's a whole list of uh, famous philosophers and statesmen and people that have experienced it and, and even people that profaned it. You have Alcibiades who profaned the um, Eleusinian Mysteries at a dinner party. Um, so, I mean, what does that mean? That means that, uh, again, I'll mention it as I've mentioned a million times before, a lot of our ideas of metaphysics and metaphysical realms, I believe come from altered states of consciousness, psychoactive compounds, psychedelics, um, meditation or deep prayer, uh, near death experiences, uh, just anything where you alter your, your state of consciousness away from day to day consciousness, I think allows you to touch some of these other realms if they are realms or are they just allowing you to get outside of your normal built-in pareidolia of your mind i don't know but either way it allows you to think in different ways so yeah but yeah this this uh i like this kenneth ring guy for sure uh he's got some interesting stuff um I like it but yeah you can again read that paper i'll try and put a link down below that for this uh i'll put the link for that article about the life review and i'll try and put a link for this ancient uh mysteries and near-death experiences um paper that kenneth ring wrote uh so i don't know based on everything i just read what do you think anything new that you you learned or anything that you you think is a possibility or should be on the table now i mean there's there's a lot to digest there i actually recommend multiple listens to these these episodes because it's almost like a full book you got to read it twice to really gain all that. You know, you, you take away the main points, but then to, to really get into the nitty gritty, um, you got to you gotta listen to it again. If anything, I just, I'm, I, I'm more fascinated with this entire subject and I would love to do some kind of uh, creative endeavor, uh, like yeah. a more serious thing with it down the road. Again, I know we've talked about that, but one thing at a time, but no, I just, I really love the subject and I really think that it can, uh, shed some light on, on things, especially if people are, uh, are down on themselves. I think you don't have to even go through the experience to kind of pull some, some positive stuff away from there. Yeah. I personally, um, I don't know. I think that life is just so bizarre that it's weird that we don't talk about death more. Um, and I know people are just focused on living or there's a lot of people are like, you know, live every day. Like it's your last kind of a thing or just live mm -hmm. it up or, and that's good. I mean, you should do that, but why I think we're all scared of death. We all fear death. And I think that that's because it's not talked about really. Um, if you're in a religion, there's a chance that your religion's probably speaking about afterlifes. And if you're good, this will happen or you'll move on to the next level or whatever, um, kind of a thing. Uh, so I think that that for me growing up, I didn't think about it really till I got a little bit older. And then once I started realizing like, Oh, this could be it. Cause <laughs> some of these, you know, people are full of shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. 
we all, I think my whole point is, I think we should talk about this stuff more. We should talk about death. We should talk about the dying process. Um, we should talk about these things more. I think we all just put it off because we don't think it's going to happen to us. And it happens to every single one of us. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's uh it's something that people, it's almost like your will, you know what I mean? You should, you should definitely do that, but people don't want to embrace that fact. It's something that I think a lot of people have anxiety over and us as humans, we naturally want to get away from whatever's causing the anxiety. So we try and, you know, put it in the back of our minds. But I think people that are like the, the are, are truly happy, have a good sense and a good, uh, acceptance of the death and that and everything that comes with it again does it mean that you you're in a religion or this or that or you have other beliefs that will propel you into a different uh a different reality once you do pass away that might have some comfort there but i think there are people that kind of have accepted that this is all it is and they're okay as well so i guess it's kind of how you digest it yourself I mean, yeah. And I think that just, again, talking about it more, um, talking about it more and just bringing it up more. And like, again, no, we all have the greatest case of FOMO when it comes to death, right? Like nobody wants to miss out on the party once they're gone. You don't even want to think that life continues after you die, but it does. It just keeps going, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, everything is going to die. The universe, this planet's going to die. The universe is going to die. Everything is going to die. Um, and and what happens is that you know, does there's there another Big Bang? Is there? I know there's some people that think that we do this all over again, the exact same thing, or maybe the same thing with a little variation or whatever. I know that there's different people that believe that. So. Um, I I don't know. I like this topic because I think it forces me to uh, confront my own fear with death. Um, and I think that that was part of initially doing this podcast. wasn't necessarily being scared to death, but just the idea of death and is there more. And I was going all that through that stuff with my mom having cancer at the time and all that. And it just made me think a lot about this. And is there more? What do we know? What did the ancient people know? What did... Uh, what do the modern scientists have to say? What do the philosophers have to say? What does every, you know, what do these religions have to say? Like, how do these people know what they know? Like, what's the epistemological take on this? Like, what's the theory of knowledge behind all of this? And through that process, I've learned that uh, people don't know too much. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> um there's not a lot of certainty or empiricism when it comes to this kind of stuff. Obviously we're all not going to know exactly what happens until we die ourselves. But, um, in the meantime, with the data and everything, everything I just read off, there's a million different theories. There's different takes. Uh, a big problem of it is the hard problem of consciousness. We don't exactly know what consciousness is. So to say that you for sure die, Um, and then that's, it would be kind of short-sighted in the sense that there are people that have these crazy experiences. Um, and then there's also, um, the possibility that maybe our mind isn't connected strictly to 
um, this physical body in the sense that maybe it's like the cloud kind of a thing. Like it's just connected to something else and we're, um, we're like a receiver kind of a thing. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's kind of the camp that I've been pushing towards, but who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, when people claim they have it all figured out, you should be very skeptical of those people, no matter what topic it is or whatever. I mean, listen to what the scientists have to say, listen to the philosophers, listen to, I mean, I even listen to some crazy people, you know, I want to know why, why are they so crazy? Why are they, why do they think certain things, you know? Um, uh-huh. Um, I want to know everything. I want to know mainstream fringe crazy. I want to know it all. Cause I want to be able to discern what's what. Um, and I think once you start doing that, you get a better view of things. And that's why I can confidently say we are all just people. So if there's somebody claiming to have some sort of special knowledge, maybe they spent more time on it. Maybe they have a better idea of it, but they don't have it all figured out. Um, and I can say that, uh, pretty confidently when it comes to most of the topics that we talk about on this podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. And then people are like, Oh, well, what about this researcher? What about that person? Or they put well, we can only certain, do so much, certain people up on pedestals. I don't do that at all. Like when we have somebody on our show. I try and talk to them, uh, not as a fanboy or this or that, you know, we might get some people that I've been reading their work for a while, or I am a fan of theirs or whatever, but I want to have a conversation and ask hard questions and questions that might make people feel uncomfortable because I want to know what they know, not just whatever fluff that they've said on a hundred podcasts before us or all the podcasts before us or whatever, you know, like, there's a lot of people that will go on podcasts and just repeat the same talking points or whatever. I don't want that. Uh, that's a waste of my time. So, uh-huh. but yeah, man. Yeah, man. Brother. Uh, but to your point, uh, we were going to do our first documentary on near death experiences a couple years ago. Um, and then obviously the world kind of, took a, a little tumble there so yeah um, we've kind of uh pivoted and not only have we pivoted but we already are in the process of editing our first documentary which we are going to do an episode on with one of the people that is participating in the documentary uh we have a trailer that is finished we are going to play that trailer on that episode when we do it i'm still trying to work out details with this person to get them on the show uh, but we have scientists, authors, experiencers. Um, I'm not going to give away too much, but uh, we will be revealing the title and the topic of the podcast or the uh, documentary that we're doing very soon. And then at some point, a little bit later this year, the documentary will be out. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting time. Maurice is editing it right now. We have all the footage already in so we are moving right along and again i have the trailer done there have been a few people that have uh have seen it and uh we've gotten good feedback so far so it should be interesting yeah it's gonna be a good time and uh we'll probably put the uh the trailer out when we have that guest and uh and we'll go from there baby and uh, I want to give a special shout out, happy birthday to Maurice. It was his birthday a couple days ago. Thank um, you. 
I tried to spread his band out. I sent some tweets and some messages out. So everybody, I'll add again the links to Maurice's new band and his uh, different pages for his photography and stuff like that down below. So check out Maurice's work and his side projects. Yeah, if, you, if you search Dogo in YouTube, D-O-E-G-O-E, -E, we're actually trying to get our fan base little steps we're trying to get 100 subscribers by the end of the month so i would really appreciate it if everybody went over to my youtube channel d-o-e-g-o-e -E band and uh check out our two two first uh releases let let us know what you think again all feedback is is, is good if you like it leave a comment if you don't like it let us know we're just we're trying to see what's going on out there so i appreciate everybody and we love our fans dearly. So, again, thanks for uh, tuning in. And our page is actually uh, looking like we're 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 getting close to the four thousand mark. So, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ideally, we had loftier goals for by now, but you know, stop posting everywhere. I just, uh, I don't know. I was, if anybody else want, if anybody ever wants to help with the podcast, just send me an email uh, to mindescapepodcast at gmail dot com or go onto our link tree and contact us. If you want to help with the podcast or you have ideas or anything like that, uh, send me a or message. Guests, you know, yeah, if, you, if guests, you guys want to hear topics, us, yeah, 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 leave us a uh, comment below or in in the chat bar if you, there's a particular person you want us to reach out to. Sometimes people leave that comment and we, we actually get those guests. So we appreciate that. If you guys, uh, all interaction is, is good in, in the cyber world. It, it helps with the algorithms. A lot of people don't realize that just giving us a like, or just giving us a subscribe really helps us get into the system. And, uh, it, it just helps us keep growing and growing. So we appreciate all you guys, especially the people that comment. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's huge. And uh, I had a lot more time earlier on when we first started doing the podcast where I would post everything everywhere and, uh, you know, was pretty regular with everything. But now that I have uh, the little baby and full-time job and just a lot of stuff going on, I just have very little time now to do all the extra social media stuff and everything. So, again, if anybody wants to help out with anything, let me know. Um and uh yeah we really appreciate it and we appreciate all the love and support from everybody and uh we'll continue to do what we're doing and uh, again i've been scheduling guests for the next few months here so um look forward to that and uh let's see here before we get out of here head on over to our patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for just two dollars a month you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments Tons of stuff on there. We've got uh, conversations with Randall Carlson, a, f a couple episodes on there. Uh, uh, Rick Strassman, Avi Loeb, um, you name it. If we've had a guest on, there's probably a good chance that, uh, you know, we have a Patreon segment with them. Shout out to uh, Sherm. Thank you, sir, for the $5 uh, super chat. We love you and appreciate you, and you always bring a lot to the table and love your interactions on our uh, live chat. So thank you very much. Uh, also find us on Discord if you are not if you're on Discord and you haven't found our page already. Join our page. Uh, also in terms of merch, you can go to our link tree link down below. 
we have uh, some cool designs up there as you can see um a living breathing magic shirt kind of fits into what we were talking about earlier with anubis holding our uh, logo the mind escape portal sure which is the portar of naxos in greece and uh let maury speak you know hashtag let maury speak you can never go wrong with a silhouette well, i've been of, speaking lately baby you can get, never go wrong with a silhouette of uh, maurice there so. we're gonna make a new one don't let maurice speak <laughs> we'll put a we'll put a like a, a circle <laughs> like a ghostbusters thing over your yeah, account. yeah yeah uh, and then head over to indrasweb.org. It is live. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. So whether you want to speculate, hypothesize, theorize, go set up a profile. And uh, we are working on getting that in the app store. Uh, also, if you are inter interested in winning this Mind Escape t-shirt, we have larges and mediums left. All you have to do to enter to win is go to Spotify Podcast Gmail or uh, Spotify podcast, uh, Google podcast, or Apple podcast, leave us a five-star review, or I guess any podcast that has a rating system, give us a five-star review and uh, take a screenshot of it and then sign it to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com that will enter you to win. We already have a few people entered to win, um, or uh, like four or five, I think. So, uh, but yeah, there's still a good chance, good odds there if you're interested and uh yeah what else do we have here uh, if you don't win this one i'm sure there'll be another one coming down the pike yeah, maybe we'll just keep doing it yeah i don't know, I don't know how many one here left. or there we'll we'll do it till we have no none of those shirts left because now we have the merch store so we had a those are from the batch of shirts we ran before we had the merch store in place so uh anything else yeah again you can find us all click on the link tree link down below for all of our social media stuff i'm usually pretty active on twitter so follow us on twitter if you're not already and uh i think i'll get back to doing twitter spaces again i was doing twitter spaces for a while uh and then my wife and i had our little guy and uh, kind of took a step back from that but i think i might get back into that uh People enjoyed it, and uh, it was a good way to connect with people and everything. So maybe we'll get back to doing the uh, the old Twitter spaces. Um, and, yeah, check out Maurice's Bandogo. I have the links down below again. And, uh, and yeah, one more thing. If you guys know anyone that would be interested in this kind of uh, podcast, you know, spread the word. It's, we're trying to just grow very, very naturally and uh, word of mouth and uh, – it would be very nice if we could hit that 4,000 subscriber mark soon. So, again, Absolutely. I know we're asking a lot, but we appreciate everybody. And it's all just, you know, you never know. It just takes you to tell one person. If everybody went out and told one person, then that would be amazing. So, again, I thank you for that in advance. Mm. All right. Oh, one more thing again. Please leave us, if you have not already, check us out on We Have a New Host. It's We're on Anchor. Uh, so if you're not an anchor podcast, check it out. Also, we are going to start uploading these videos onto Spotify. So leave us a five-star review on Spotify. If you're going to watch or listen to this on Spotify, we'd really appreciate that. And, uh, again, we love everybody. We're going to continue this series, the mysteries and metaphysics. Let's see what we have left here. We did near death experiences. We still have to hit, uh, psychedelics philosophy space time the universe paranormal ufo stuff so there's still some good stuff to get to some might oh, say yeah. the best stuff yet to come so um i want to thank everybody and uh we love everybody and uh yeah we'll catch you guys next time
Peace. Peace.